Welcome to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, inviting you to listen to our latest podcast, number 913, with Shannon Susco, about her new book entitled Metronomics, One United System to Grow Up Your Team, Company, and Life. This podcast, number 913, is brought to you by Alex Weber. He is the author of a new book entitled Failproof, Becoming the Unstoppable You. If you want to learn more about Alex Weber and his new book, please visit his website at www.imalexweber.com. That's www.imalexweber.com. And now for a featured podcast, please listen to my interview with Shannon about her new book entitled Metronomics, One United System to Grow Up Your Team, Company, and Life. Happy listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I have Shannon Byrne Susco, uh, actually, and she has a book called Metronomics. And it's one united system to grow up your team, company, and life. Shannon, you're joining us from Whistler uh, yes. in British Columbia. And we were just talking about how great the snow was. So uh, kudos to you. I wish I was there skiing. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's a beautiful sunny day here. And uh, yes, the snow is fabulous. Well, um, I envy that because it's been a while since I've actually been up to the snow. But <laughs> for my listeners, I'm going to let them know a little about your bio before we actually get into the questions for the podcast. Uh, Shannon has more than 20 years of experience building and leading high growth technology companies in the financial services energy. She co-founded and served as the chief executive officer and led the sale of two companies in less than six years. She was recognized by the top 25 most inspirational women in Canada in 2020, the top 100 most powerful women in Canada in 2018, and one of Canada's top 40 and under 40 in 2000. I don't know. Are you still under 40? <laughs> no, I'm not. But I was really young to receive that recognition. So when people say it, they're like, wow, you must be really old. <laughs> so this was an award she received for Canada's leading women entrepreneurs in 2006. In addition to her coaching company, she's a best-selling author of two books. We're going to be speaking about metronomics. Um, and we'll put links to her other books and resources as well and to her website. Um, so for those of you who want to get to Shannon, she offers free and paid workshops year round and uh, personally and through partnered associations. Um, and it's metronomeunited.com. There'll be a link, uh, for all of my listeners. That's M-E-T-R-O-N-O-M-E-U-N-I-T-E-D.com. That's where you can learn more about her, her books, her trainings, her workshops, and so on. So, well, it's great having you on because, you know, one of the things that you start the book off with, and it's an introduction that you say that most good business people read lots of business books. We have lots of business authors that come on here. Everybody from Marshall Goldsmith to Ken Blanchard to you name it have been on the show, and they all have great ideas right? They all have great ideas. And most business people, when you ask them, Shannon, how many books are by your bedside? Oh, you know, I have five, six, seven, eight. 
and you say, well, have you read any of them? And they go, yeah, well, I'm reading like three at a time, right? (laughs) Um, And yet they still are struggling to improve what I call the metrics of their business. In other words, if you were to measure everything, how's everything going? And you state that it's not in, in the what, but it's in the how. Could you please tell the listeners why Metronomics is a book that provides the how in putting it all together that'll help them or make them grow their businesses easier? Yes, uh, that's a great question to kick off with. I was a crazy and still am business book junkie. I love business books. And, you know, when I was struggling with uh, just figuring out how to unlock our first organization that we were growing up, uh, we started reading lots of business books. I started reading them by myself and I was doing like four a week. But the, the key was, so that's, that was the what. And we had to take out of that how we we're going to leverage each one of those things into a repeatable framework, playbook, something that was time bound that would sort of grow with the team side and the business side. The, the thing that um, I love, I, I meet so many people, they read so many books, they're going to, you know, you talk about the books, you know, these books and metronomics and three Hagway, and, and I go, yep. Yep, all those things. Yeah, I did that. And I always ask, do you, is it you did it once or do you keep doing it? And they go, oh, no, we did it once. And so the key was to make this repeatable and to actually step through what, I, what we call, you know, atomic habits is, you know, individual habit stacking. And we, <laughs> we, we talk about team habit stacking, right? And so every step of the way is how do we turn that dial and take the next step? So we're pulling it all together and you can plug and play, but it metronomics, it's the framework itself that guides a team, CEO and team coaches can be involved, you know, to, to drive it forward. I just want to finish this off with one. I I say something because, you know, just not to interrupt you, but you know, Jim Hewling at Franklin Covey is one of the authors of 4DX and Jim's become a personal friend and we speak a lot. And you yeah. know what you look at the four disciplines of execution, really that's what metronomics is about is really okay, great. We want to know how, right? Um and that's what that does is it it actually holds for accountability. And I saw that throughout your book as well. You know, it's yeah. like systems, processes, accountability. Um but go ahead and proceed forward because I think what what we're going to talk about next is really you were a desperate CEO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was desperate for this, for the next statement that is really key because everyone's looking for execution, right? The process and whatnot, but they get to the end of it, right? So when we first start out and any business trying to bring it back in, we're trying to have execution working so we can forget about it right? So we can actually focus in on strategy and connect it to strategy. And then we have a great process that we weave in for strategy. That doesn't exist anywhere else. The two things coming together in a way that actually lays out a roadmap for a team. And what I love is this CEOs in uh, one of my roundtables. I was speaking with him last week and, you know, he's been on the journey and their journey goes, you know, we call the foundation phase. That's getting execution, cash and our cohesiveness with our strategy mapped out. That's the, that's the foundation phase. Once you get that and you get your cohesiveness to a certain level, you go to the foundation, you, you go from foundation to momentum. 
that's that's actually the secret sauce of this because we tie in the strategic piece. We actually allow a team to execute their strategy, strategy, not just execute. And this, the CEO said, Shannon, and I've known him for a while. He's been in the roundtable for a while, but he's pretty tough, right? He's going to just say what he thinks. And he finally said, look, you know, I, I came into this. I, I actually needed something. He goes, I wasn't sure this was going to work. Because I'd read all those books. I actually knew of all that stuff, but I had I was had low expectations that this framework would bring it all together. And they've been in it now four or five years and and they've you know stepped through the phases and it's been amazing actually to see. Well, I think one of the other things too is when you when you grow a company, it's about the ta- a talent that you hire. It's about the connecting of the dots and it's about creating the culture. We're going to talk a little bit about that because no matter how much of this you do, if you don't have the right people in the right chairs with the right uh, strategies and attitudes, it's tough to execute on these things at best and to create the cohesiveness. And I think if you look at some of the companies and you know, I'll just point to one that understands cradle to cradle. And to me, that's Apple. Um, if you can take all these people from all these departments and put them together and really execute and satisfy a customer as well as they do, you literally have something quite special. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying yeah. they don't have problems. I'm sure they got their own problems. But, <laughs> you know, you state you went from the desperate CEO uh, to a repeatable system CEO to the CEO plus leadership team coach. Um, tell us a little about the journey and how you evolved your system um, that you now teach to others to implement into their businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, I do describe myself and definitely was a desperate CEO to grow. And the reason we are desperate is we are, you know, literally playing whack-a-mole with everything you just talked about. If we think of culture, cohesion, the human side of it, the team side of it, strategy, execution, cash, add in, you know, growing up your people, like it is whack-a-mole every day. And if you don't, you know, and people are literally doing this every day and they are grinding it out to get there. And so our goal in being, you know, with the opportunity we had was, and with the coach I had at the time, I said, we've got to figure this out. And I actually asked my coach, is there not a repeatable playbook that pulls all these thought leaders tools in together that we can actually use over and over and over again, and we know when to use it. And, you know, the answer at the time was no. So myself and my leadership team said, you know what, let's build one for our company. The company was Paradata Systems from, you know, early, late 90s. And so we started working through it. And, And we took the organization from where we were at that huge opportunity, but just couldn't like, just couldn't get any momentum to actually building it. You know, we built a global it sounds crazy now, a global online payment service. We built it and sold it. And then we went, you know, the company who bought ours, they actually not only wanted what we had, but they wanted the system that we we're using that ran the company, right? Yeah, so we brought, brought that in. That's a very valuable, I mean, you know, you look at the EBITDA and the multiple time sales and you bring a system like that into a company that yeah. tightens up everything. It's like having a bunch of loose bolts and stuff. Yeah. And, the, and you wonder yeah. why the car's rattling and shaking and nothing's running smoothly. Um, yeah. 
And if you have the systems in process to know which bolts to tighten, which things to do, it works. Right. And in your chapter on goals, plans, reality, you tell a story about a company called Open Door and Alex and the mm. and the founder. Tell us the story about this company and what are the three things that great teams have in common? Because without these great teams, it's not going to work. Right. So if I can take just one step back before I answer that, the actually I'll answer it in the context of this question. So the, the things that great teams have in common is number one, they need a repeatable playbook, right? They they have one. And if you look at any sport team that you follow, you're listening in, you're like, yeah, any winning team, they have this repeatable playbook and process that everyone commits to. They have a scoreboard that everyone knows and can sees and knows what's winning and losing. They have a scoreboard and they actually have a coach who understands the process. And it almost sounds self-serving because today in my retirement, I am a coach. But the big thing is, is that I'm not a coach because, you know, that's what I do. I'm a coach because I was coached in a process and that process. And I, I look back to that first company that we grew, the second company we grew in a third of the time and knocked the valuation out of the park in one of the top three deals on Wall Street that year. The thing that I look at is the, that whole process, the coach, the scoreboard and the repeatable playbook saved us, you know, we did it in a third of the time. Time is our scarcest resource. And that's every team, you know, if I add a fourth thing in there, every team is up against time and timing. And so we were always about how are we going to move it? I didn't want to spend in my second company growing up. And, you know, we, we built it to sell it. And that's what we were about. And that was in our core purpose. But we did that. I didn't want to spend do another 10 years. I really wanted to show that we could impact the marketplace with what we had built sooner and get it out there globally. The first one took 10 years. And a lot of people are going, 10 years? I've been in my business 10, 20, 30, 50, 75, three generation. You know, it doesn't matter because a team's a team. It's founded on people. Humans want to know what they need to expect. They want to know where they're going. They want to see if they're winning or losing. And it's really great. The coach removes the blind spots. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the big thing that really opened up, you know, our eyes back then, but also today, you know, what I do today in my retirement, you know, someone said last <laughs> chuckled yesterday, you're not retired. And I go, well, I am because I decide to actually do this every day. I love this. And if you'd use that as a, as a, you know, definition of retired, that should be what we all should be saying. Well, and I think one of the things you do well, based on my review of the book, is you help make the invisible visible. Um, mm. You know, when a lot of people are out there struggling with uncertainty, um, you make the uncertain more certain, more predictable. Yeah. You know, what is it? Vo um, volatility, you know, those kind of yeah. things that people are looking at, but then they're not looking at the human side. And you state that metronomics is founded upon best practices and that you have taken the what of all the greatest thought leaders and put it into one connected system. And I saw some of the names that you had that mm -hmm. you used as the thought leaders. Can you speak about the how and the what 
of what you call your three hag. I think everybody listening probably understands uh, the B hag, yeah. right? Big, hairy, audacious goal. You yeah. have the three hag and the compound growth system. Uh, can you speak about that? Yeah. The three hag is probably my naivety of, you know, the secret sauce of all of this. And the three hag, you know, we had, you know, we read the books, we had our core purpose, we did the hedgehog, we had our BHAG, right, our 10 to 30 year goal. And then we had our annual plan and, you know, working every month and quarter. And it just seemed that, you know, it was really hard to get everybody engaged in it, including my board of directors, by the way. So we we decided and at the board, we were going like five years. We kept picking five years, which you might as well pick 10 when you pick five years away in the markets we're in. And so we decided to pick three years. A three hag stands for a three year highly achievable goal. And it sounds like you're just putting a line in the sand and you're writing down your goals. The three hag actually has a few human parts to this. And in the very beginning, yes, you do gut out a three hag. The three hag actually is your connection and your stepping stone to your B hag, your big hairy audacious goal. And so the three hag actually makes that plan really human. Because when we ask people to gut out where they're going to be in three years, that's how you start it off. It's so simple. The human side of us, and we are very you know, we actually don't want to say that out loud and write it down because we might be wrong. And so instead, by just writing it down with your team, you got it. The human side of it is when we leave that meeting, we are actually leaving that meeting to figure out how to make that true. How do we make that true? How do we map it out? How do we map it out with precision, as you said earlier, but with enough that we can, you know, as time goes, it's 12 quarters for three years, we can, you know, find our path. And that three hag is what connects, you know, and you talked about culture and, you know, the, the business, and we talk about the soft edge systems being the cultural, the cohesive, and the human. And then we talk about the business side of it, the hard edge is strategy, execution, and cash. And the three hag is the thing, the thing at the top that actually keeps, you know, that's what keeps it in balance because we get to connect what the things are, the things that flow through our business, the simple things, not the dollars, but the things that flow through your business in order to you know, connect it to the plan, the business side, and to connect it to the team. If we can't connect the team to the plan, it's really hard to win. It's really yeah. hard to win. So putting the three hag out there and then bringing it down into what we call the one hag, the one year highly achievable goal. Yeah, it's a play on that. And then into the quarter and we're mapping out those things that flow through your business to make that true all the way out 12 quarters. It's game changing for sure. Well, what I see by it and what I gleaned out of this was, you know, you can take a, a team of people and give 36 months and when I said make the invisible visible, if you were looking at proximal goals, right? The one hag, the two hag, the three hag, right? Yeah. The proximal goals begin to look instead of 10 years, a lot more manageable. It's like, okay, I can see this. So really the three hag is in its steps, 
what I call proximal goals. You've, you've got For a main sure. goal and then you've got the steps you've got to take yep. to get to that goal. Yep. And then it's down to the quarters and what are we going to do yep. in the quarters and so on. And you speak about the soft edge systems and the purpose of this system is to ensure that there's a clear known culture that creates the team's strong belief in core purpose. Could you speak with the listeners, the audience about the soft edge elements, which are culture, cohesion, and human systems? Yeah, I would love to, because without them, it's really hard to win. Or we see teams that win that actually, you know, have worked so many more hours than they could have. So the way we look at this, if you think of a house, and we look at those three systems as, you know, the cultural system is the foundation of the house. The cohesive system is one of the walls that goes up, part of that frame. And the human system is the other side. The very top of the house are the team leads and the leaders. And so they're all connected. If the cultural system, which includes, you know, founded upon, you know, the leader, right, the core purpose of the organization, the core values of the team, and then our big, hairy, audacious goal, that makes up our foundation. And if that foundation isn't solid, the house isn't going to stand up. We know that. That's pretty obvious. But in business and teams, that's for sure. The cohesive system is, you know, we, uh, I'm a huge fan of Pat Lencioni. And we just, you know, sort of brought that work into our team. And it's brought into the cohesive system. It's laid out, you know, quarter over quarter, what you need to do to grow up your system to a cohesive level. And then what we call, you know, Team Trust 2.0, which is another level of cohesiveness. But without that wall, with the team being at the top of the house, people will fall out if we're not cohesive. On the other wall, the human system. The human system's all about, and it's an awful name, but it grew up from, you know, Paradata. It's over 20 years old. The human system is all about actually clarity of what is expected of the individual and the team and how the team will actually play together on the field. So clarity of role, clarity of accountability, coaching. We always say coach, keep, grow is in that system. And if, if that's not in place, you know, our best team members are going to fall out. They will leave and go find another place where they can find that, right? A players want that coach, keep, grow. And so that's, those are the soft edge systems, but it's a bit, you know, sneaky because it's, it's the, you know, the, the strength of those systems, you know, they're, they're soft edge because there's no numbers and it's not, it's soft because it's behavioral and the behavioral piece of this has to be driven by the CEO and the leaders. And then of course, cascaded throughout the organization. How would you address the whole issue? You know, you look at tech companies, my son's an executive at uh, Adobe and yep. You know, autonomy to maintain high levels of creativity with inside the groups are there, yet you're talking about all these cohesive teams. But when you're developing software and you have a bunch of software developers, and I'm using yep. this as an example, it doesn't matter what company it is, if you're trying to develop new products, you need to have this level of, hey, go play. Yeah, you know, yeah, for go, sure. Go get creative. It doesn't matter if it's Patagonia or whoever it is. Yeah. Well, how yeah. would you kind of address that within mm. the confines? Um, if the company maybe doesn't have like this big R and D section, 
of yeah. their company. Because it's yeah. easy to say, well, the quadrant is here's the R&D section. These people over here, they just go play and they think up crap. And then we come and we try and build it and implement it, put it together. Do you have yeah. a, a, a thought around that at all? I definitely do. And, you know, the, when the key to this, and this has always been you know, the way to grow and scale and to allow people who are experts in their areas to do their work, right? To do their best work is that we need as leaders, and this is why it's set up this way, leaders, we're going to, you know, do the work, the strategy work, the execution work. We're actually going to do the teamwork too, because we just talked all about the soft edge system. So that's all laced into how we do things. But we are, we are guiding you know, we're guiding. I always say everyone's on the bus. How many people on the bus? Thousand people on the bus. We have a lot of buses and we're, we have to be driving in a direction, right? And we have, so the leadership teams there is to lay the direction, collaborate with the teams. So in this process, leaders go out and collaborate with their teams before they come into like the, the, all the leaders coming together on that planning basis, quarterly, monthly, and of course, there's weekly and daily in there. But that planning, they go out to the teams first to get all that info, bring it in. The the leadership team will collaborate, hammer it out that day. But it's not like telling people this is what we're going to do. It's then taking it back to the team and going, here's everything that we've got. Here's where we've ended up. Let's have a discussion. Are these the right things? Things, big things, right? Okay, that happens. Yes, they are. And then it's who wants to own those things, priority one, priority two, whatever it is. And then the the owners get to take it away and do it. It's not anyone saying you have to do it this way. It's not getting in and managing it. It allows people to be creative and the experts in the organization who know their craft to solve whatever it is we need to solve or create whatever we need to create. And I got to say, I just got off with a, a client in that second meeting. I was with them yesterday in their leadership team quarterly meeting, large organization in the U.S. And I, we just did the larger leadership meeting, that follow-up meeting I just talked about. It was amazing to see you know, the, the leadership team present what we did in yesterday to build out their next quarter plan. And, you know, they're in the morning, they go through it all starting core purpose all the way through for the alignment. And then, you know, it, you know, put it out there to the 30 leaders in the call. And it's amazing to see the level of cohesiveness of that team because, you know, we were virtual, everyone's virtual, but, you know, anyone can raise their hand going, I'm not sure I agree with that. And here's why and put their twist on it. And the outcome of that this morning was amazing. And they'll spend this afternoon going to the cross-functional teams, the, the ones who've got the expertise and they get named to it, to actually build out 13-week sprint lanes for those priorities. And it's not in stone. That's the big thing. This can't be like, you know, this is the plan. <laughs> we stick to it. Right, right. Stuff happens. Stuff well, happens. and and what I like about it is, is that you're putting structure around. And as I was trying to allude to, potentially people that you're employing who maybe want more autonomy, but yeah. you're doing it in a way yeah. that they can get buy-in. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so buy-in to me is very important. I realize how important innovation and creativity are within inside yeah. these companies. 
but I also realize that there's got to be a master plan around which they're creating. Um, yeah. And you have the, uh, you, you called it uh, the hard edge system, which includes strategy, execution, and cash systems. Speak with the listeners about these systems and why the coach cascade system helps to build high performance teams. Mm. Yeah. So strategy, execution, and cash are, you know, really, if you've gone to business school, or if you haven't, like, you know, stra- execution and cash, those are the things that you focus on the most, you get it going, right? We get it going. And, and the strategy system, you know, we got to be going somewhere, right? And we've got to, you know, find our own dimension. And so we call those the hard edge systems because those are actually, those are the ones that you can put numbers to, you can easily map out. Like they're very, very, you know, like everybody wants to just focus on those ones, right? Because we can like check it off, say if we got there, all that kind of stuff. There's like some really tangible outcomes where the soft edge systems, not so much, but you need it and you need to be connected to the hard edge. So that's why we call those a hard edge. The coach, the coach cascade system is, you know, I always call it the umbrella, but it's the ultimate foundation. And the coach cascade system is that in order to scale up, to grow up our company, we need to grow up our leaders and our team members into coaches. We have to shift from being an expert leader because that's normally how we end up in leadership per, you know, positions. We're expert at our craft. We end up there and we need to be able to shift over. And not all leaders want to do this and that's okay. But we need to actually identify the leaders who can shift over to be a coach. And what that means is that if the CEO, you know, shifts and, you know, are, are aware of themselves, number one, willing to share how they're growing themselves too, focused in on growing up their leaders into coaches. And then those coaches learn that and they share it with their leaders and so on. So we call it the coach cascade because we can't, it can't be, you know, the CEO coaching the whole team. I, uh, what I do every day, I'm a CEO plus leadership team coach. I coach that leadership team and I'm coaching that team and helping the CEO to coach it out. Right. Because if we can coach it out, we are going to grow a whole lot faster. And if we stop doing and start asking the right questions at the right time, in a high growth company, Greg, as you know, that's really hard because stuff's on fire, <laughs> like in a high growth company. Company I was just with, you know, since I started working with them, has quadrupled their top line and it started out already at 100 million. So they've added, added, they're just going off. And so they're, they're in the compounding stage of this. And a lot of people, you don't want to stop and like think about what question should I ask now? The plant's on fire, mm-hmm. right? But we need to be able to find the time as we grow our organization up, we grow our leaders up in order for them to be not in the business. They're working on the business, the strategy, and on their team members growing them up. That's where the balance needs to sit. I, uh, as you're speaking, I'm echoing uh, a story that uh, Whitney Johnson told me about uh, uh, WD-40. Mm. And WD-40 is, I don't know, it's a $200 million company now or $2 billion or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But the the issue was, is like, okay, so what is um, 
the the people in the company uh, engagement level, it's like 90 something percent. Yeah. And it's because Gary, the CEO, yep. asks the employees every year to reinvent themselves. Right. So they have to go through an education process to literally yep. reinvent themselves. Yep. And number one, you have no employees that want to leave. So you're not losing yep. employees. Yep. And two, they love working there because of the fact that they're going through this personal reinvention process yep. each, each year. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of brilliant. I mean, it sounds kind of like, well, why doesn't everybody do that? But most yeah. companies don't. You know, no. you would think, well, why wouldn't you let people explore what would take yeah. to reinvent themselves and then help them do that? Right. Yeah. Um, and the benefits are only going to quadruple fold the company as a result yeah. of that because they're happier, more engaged employees. It's real simple. Yeah. Yeah. When you say there are barriers to climbing a mountain and that there are barriers to growing a company. We yeah. all get that. Um, I'm helping a mountain climber who's done Everest twice, right? Yeah, mountain. yeah, you're saying that. And you can speak with our listeners about the barriers to growth in a company. What are those mm. barriers? I mean, we've talked about some of them already. Yeah, right? yeah. We've already addressed the culture thing and the team thing and the whatever. But what would you, and we did talk a little bit about the finance thing, which is actually yeah. can be a big thing when it comes to growth. Uh, what would you say some of those barriers are that you could articulate to the audience Yeah, and how might they address them? So there's three, there's three barriers in my experience and in research that all comes back to the same three when we're looking to grow up a company and, um, and, and, you know, in particular, Greg, I don't say scale up. I say grow up. That's why every all the word is grow because we have to grow quite a few things. But the number one barrier, and I ask this question of hundreds and thousands of people over the years, and a lot of people say cash. They, you know, they'll they'll guess they'll guess lots of things. But the number one thing is leadership. And most leaders don't want to hear that. Going, what? Well, I'm the barrier to grow the company. And and overcoming that, it's one of the reasons why where we were stuck in my first company was, yeah, it was stuck on us as the leaders of the organizations. We're the ones that get to make the decisions on the who, the what, the when, and the how. Whether it's cash, whether it's we're going here, but it's all about, you know, at the end of the day, and you said it earlier, it's the who, right? Do we have the right leaders, number one? So do we have the right leadership team? If you're not asking yourself that, would you enthusiastically rehire every leader on your team right now? Think about that. And, and that's, you know, that's definitely a question that was pulled out from Rockefeller Habits back in the day. The second thing is, do we know, and I run into this a lot, and I know a lot of companies, are we confident in our market dynamics? That's the second barrier. There is lack of confidence of the market dynamics, looking outside the business. And when we have lack of confidence in our market dynamics, it's really hard to actually create a confident, differentiated strategy. And so that's the second barrier. You're just going to keep doing the same thing. You're not going to get to your own dimension. You're not going to get and create your unique and valuable position where core customers buy at a profit. I always love what uh, Einstein said, keep doing what you're doing and expecting different results. And that's yeah. a definition of insanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but there are so many companies that do that. Yep. Um, yep. And, the, and the leaders get comfortable 
Yeah. They're not uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah, right. with doing the same thing and the companies plot along. They don't yeah. grow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're yeah, right. Absolutely. The biggest barrier, you know, I'm working in a couple of companies now, but the, the biggest barriers usually are the leaders of the company who aren't addressing what they really need to do. Yeah. And and I and I frequently find that from a, at a personal level, which I'm sure you get there, you know, you're talking about all the personal elements, the soft edge. They're tired, they're beat up. They've got a lot of other issues they're trying to deal with and they just don't want to put that amount of attention in the company because the company's just going to go totally. along anyway. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So their the personal last, lives from a standpoint of yeah. like, are you exercising? Are you eating right? Yeah. Are you are you meditating? Balance. Are you doing all of those things that would give you the energy levels because they run out of energy, totally. right? And, and that is a big one that doesn't frequently get addressed yeah. is, you know, uh, I forget what doctor, he's been on the show a couple of times, all about energy management and performance. Yeah. Yep. Well, and you know the the third the third barrier, which is why you know, like each one of these I've talked about is fully covered in this framework because we knew of these barriers. We had bumped in them quite a few times in trying to first four years of our business trying to figure this out. But the last barrier is really not having the infrastructure needed when you need it, mm-hmm. right? So we see lots of companies take off and then they sort of stall, and they stall because their infrastructure is trying to catch up. And then they go again and they stall again. And and we've got to, and why this framework is built this way, it allows us to actually build up the infrastructure, both for our company, but also the systems as we grow up. And that's the third barrier. And we see it all the time with organizations. And that's like, that's when you see, you know, the leadership one is the toughest. When I go in and work with an organization and it's talked about in the story that's in the book with, uh, and we talked about usually the leadership team I start with may not all be there in about four quarters, right? Yeah. Why? Because we're just, you know, we're, we're going, we're going to go through a period. We're going to number one thing that I do in go in with a, with a team is to ensure that is the leadership team that needs to be here for this time and for the growth that we're, you know, three years from now, are they going to be the same ones? That's right. Usually not. (laughs) There is going to be, there is going to be some heads that are going to fly and changes that'll be made. It's difficult, but good. It's difficult when the, the owners of the company are so personally involved with these people. It's true. Yeah. So, you know, you speak and gut it out the kickoff. You speak about the key function flow map. Okay. And you state that this is a graphical representation of how a company makes money. Uh, Can you briefly describe this process to our listeners? And you don't have to get in huge detail. No. You know, what's, what is it? It's pretty easy to explain because we talked earlier, what are the three things that winning teams have? It's, uh, you know, commitment to a repeatable playbook, you know, open and transparent view of a scoreboard, right? And where we are and a coach, the KFFM, the key function flow map allows us to map out our business and put the things that flow through the organization, the things, not the dollars, the things that flow through each of the functions in order for us to make money. And it becomes the scoreboard. And so, you know, simply and easily, 
teams that I work with look at this scoreboard every day. They have a daily score. They don't have a score 30 days after the month end. They don't have a score seven days after the month end. They have a score in the moment so they can make better, faster decisions. And that's if you think about on a sports field, any team that's out there, they're looking at the scoreboard throughout the whole game. So why wouldn't we have that for our functional areas and overall for the organization to see if we're winning or losing? Yeah, most definitely. You know, and your system is broken down into year one, the foundation, year two, yep. the momentum and year three, the compounding year. Can you give us an overview of what's being accomplished in each of these mm-hmm. years and where it is designed to leave the company after you install the metronomic system? Yeah, such a big, great question. So there are three phases to this. And in order, everyone starts out in the foundation phase, no matter where you come from, and it doesn't matter what you have going on, you'll start in the foundation phase. And how fast you will move through that phase depends on what systems you already have in place of, you know, the compound growth system. And the key to get out of the foundation phase into the momentum phase is you've got to have execution and cash, those processes like working like clockwork, the team works it, the leaders aren't in doing that anymore. We have to have the cohesive system at what I call a normalized level. It's sort of at the minimum level of cohesiveness. It means it's working, right? And we need to have, we call the three hag mapped out, which is the strategy mapped. If we can have those in place, we, and so that's why I say some teams get there sooner than maybe it doesn't take four quarters. Maybe it takes two. Maybe it takes six quarters. It might take longer. But as as the team gets to that point, they move to the next phase. And the next phase is those systems will keep working because they are. And we're going to add in the next level. And really the momentum phase, the big piece of the momentum phase is validating your strategy. So you can, at the end of that phase, you can stand up. You'd stand up in a room of a thousand people and maybe half of them are your competitors and you would state your strategy in a sentence because you know there's not a hope they could copy it. You're absolutely on your own dimension. And so that's some where the momentum gets going because we have confidence when we have confidence in strategy, we have confidence in our decisions. And so we start making them faster. And the more we share this out, cascade it out through the team, the more the decisions, you know, we want the decisions to be made all throughout the company and the direction we're going. The last compounding, the company I was with uh, yesterday and today are in the compounding phase. And where they are, they are taking the coach cascade system. They've got all the systems we've talked about in place, but they've got the dial turned up on the coach cascade system that really kicks in then because the leaders have time to work on the strategy confidently, and we have a good strategy, and they have time to work with their leaders to actually grow them up as coaches. And this is the point where this team is. It's amazing to see this. The last piece to this is that there are, you know, that's a suggested time frame in the book. And a lot of people come back and go, wow, you put a time frame to it. Yes. And I always say, yes, there's a time frame to it, but there's a critical path, critical human path of where we get people in the team to a certain point. That cohesiveness is important for strategy because if we don't have a cohesive team, 
we will not have a healthy, conflictive discussion around strategy and get the best strategy out there. So there is a critical path all the way through. Once we get a confident strategy in place, yeah, we're going to make better, faster decisions. The team's going to do that. And it actually frees up the leaders to then go work on the 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 team members themselves. Not that they're not doing a little bit, a little bit, a little bit all the way. This is all, you know, I called habit stacking in the beginning. This is stacking these behaviors all the way through. But this is the path that you can expect. And it all it takes is a commitment to this process. That's all it takes. Commitment of the leadership to the process. And then come in eyes wide open. And it's an incredible journey. Well, and and I know you've studied many. I go back to the days of Peter Singay, Margaret, yeah. Margaret Wheatley. And, you know, I always remember she talked about the ecosystem and all the books mm-hmm. that I've read on business management and folks, they speak about alignment. But if you look at it scientifically, right, he said, what is in this ecosystem? Um, in most ecosystems that are functioning, they're, they're, they take disorder and becomes order. Right. So you're you're basically moving from a a state of disorder, which is what we were doing when we were I just used the coronavirus. The vaccine had the ability to attack the the cells that basically were infusing the body and were affecting it. Any good physician can tell you we are you know, we're trying to get an alignment and an attack against what's bad and put in what's good. And And I think that's maybe a good good way with with what you're speaking about. Now, on our last question here, we want to kind of wrap this all up. Uh, You state that the purpose of metronomics is to ensure that no leader is desperate as you were. And when you were growing your company, and what are the four takeaways from the book that if a business owner right now wanted to implement today, I always say that, what is, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you. I've listened to this podcast now for 40 minutes uh, that would help them remove stress Mm-hmm. And make them more successful. If you just yeah. said, "Here's here's three things I you ought to do right now," you know, go yeah. have a planning strategy session, look at your goals, short term goals, whatever you're yeah. going to say. But what would you tell them? Yeah. So the number one thing I would say is get more informed on this system. It makes sense. There, uh, there's not, I think, a business person out there that says it doesn't make sense. There's easy ways to do that. One, grab the book. You can read it, listen to it, all that. But two, off the metronomeunited.com website, there's like a whole webinar series. It's, it's absolutely complimentary. And we want people just to get in and understand. The, the second thing is, once you've done that, get your team together. Like you've read it. If you're the CEO, you've read it. If you're one of the leaders, get the rest of your team to read it because they need to understand, you know, are we going to commit to this? Okay, so if there, then there's commitment. The third thing is kick it off. Actually invest your time and kick it off. You can kick it off just with your team without a coach. It'll take a bit longer to get through it. Or you can kick it off, you know, just again, come back to Metronome United. We have 85 coaches from around the world who actually do this day in and day out. We have a ball actually unlocking the growth potential and the growth of every company and team we work with. Well, it's a great way for for an executive leader in any department of any company who's listening to this podcast to get started. Number one metronomeunited.com. Look for the free resources. 
the other one is I held it up a second ago. I'll hold it up again. <laughs> go to, we'll have a link to Amazon, buy yeah. the book. It's a great starting point because yeah. the reality is the book can give you great ideas. The question is, is can you implement on those? You probably right. can on some of them, but you're going to want to get these. Re- it's called online resources at her website. Yeah. And then most likely you're probably going to want to talk to Shannon or one of the yeah. uh, people Please that she has work- working for her. Shannon, Absolutely. thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth, sharing some of your experiences, mm-hmm. how you grew Metronome United and what you're doing to help companies find and identify pain points relieve those pain points and help them grow through it and make their company stronger and better on the other side. It was great having you on the show. Thank you, Greg. Amazing. Amazing. Great questions. I really enjoyed this discussion. Thanks for being on. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.